0: You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations
1: within FinTech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. All right, welcome to another episode of the Payments Innovation Podcast. This is your host from Currency Cloud, Chris D'Antoine. And today, I'm happy to have Alex Weldon, co founder of Roe Business Bank. Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks, hey Chris. Good to be here. Yeah, really good to have you on, and hope you're doing all right. Closing, hopefully, near the end of uh, lockdown. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah long time. Um, so Alex is uh, currently based in the UK, but uh, Row Business Bank is a is a product launched in, in here in the US. But um, so Alex, for for our listeners, if you don't mind, giving a background about your uh, extensive history and what brought you to to found uh, Row today. Yeah,
0: sure. Uh, thanks, Chris. Uh, yeah, I mean it's been a it was a, it was an interesting ride. I, you know, I started my first company when I was about 18, so that was also a, a bit of a strange strange thing to do back then. I guess it was at the end of the dot com boom, uh around 2000 end of 2002 that I started, so I was thrust into the entrepreneurial world pretty early. And then that led to a number of things. I mean, what did I learn during that? I learned Building a company is really hard, and it was really exciting. And I wanted to do it like as many times over as I possibly could. I, it was very exciting, especially at that time. There was really no rules, and during that period, venture capital was still very much relegated to the West Coast. And I grew up in Canada and Toronto. And really, the only examples we had were you know companies like BlackBerry and Nortel, which were huge, yeah. huge uh, technology companies, and both went on to become the respective you know the largest in the in the category at each time most of Nortel, a lot of people don't really realize, is, is now Huawei. So, uh, yeah, so it's, like, uh, it's interesting. And uh, we all know the fateful story about BlackBerry. So, yeah, like, I mean. Re- recent adds,
1: rise in the last month or so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, just for a couple of days It pretty so. good.
0: And that's right. That's right. They're like, oh, wow. It's like, <laughs> I mean, talk about a blast in the past. Like no back, kidding. I mean, but, uh, yeah, I mean, so, you know, at that time, we had, you uh, always had someone's, like, you know, parents that had worked or was working at one of those tech giants. And it didn't really seem like that impossible. There's a lot of very talented people in Southern Ontario that are in technology. Um, you know, it's a reason why, you know, Toronto's that basically the, one of the you know, largest hubs in the world for technology today. Yeah, And so as an early, you know, I guess, it, my early experience was that nothing was impossible. You know, I was just making websites and things like that led to my first company. That led to the world's first mobile gambling software. It was not like, you know, uh, I certainly didn't intend to do it. It just sort of came out of a project that we were working on. And that led me to the UK. And that led to my first experience about, you know, really, you know, diving into international finance and the fact of like, you know, regulations and compliance and all those good things. And at that time when when it was such a gray area and a gray market, quite frankly, I mean, it was not, you know, legal to accept bets uh, in the US at that time. It It just simply wasn't legislated. And... Uh, however, the di- the difference being in the UK where it was fully regulated was an interesting uh, uh, sort of dynamic to help understand companies that weren't. And you it was just so obvious that it was, you know, very, very black hat um, to companies like ours that were just trying to, you know, build great software and great games. And, you know, we thought Wait, it was which, the thing.
1: software that? So I, I worked, I actually started in the same industry. I worked ah, cool. for company called uh, IGT, uh, which... Ah, yeah. Course. And then I I transitioned to Skrill in the US, which is the big oh, yeah, part of course, <laughs> doing of course. the game. Yeah, that, that's yeah. how you got through, yeah. Pretty much sense. the same start, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, that's interesting.
1: I mean, yeah, I, I think it speaks a lot to
0: the, I mean, that was one of the very first like heavy money movement industries on the internet in general, period. I mean, you know, you sort of had like eBay and then you had like gaming and then you had like, you know, really defarious stuff, right? So um, I think that that that... I think what I learned a lot about that was just how do you get a company up and running? How do you manage an exit? How do you like just recruit people? How do you do stuff? I mean the technology stuff was i mean I can't even believe we were able to make it make make stuff that worked I mean it was all just all java based it was built on Symbian for like nokia phones and you know there was no smartphones to the you know to the degree that they are today by any stretch of the imagination so yeah it was it was definitely a great adventure, and I learned a lot about you know uh just you know very. I guess instinctual and very obvious business things that you would have to go through as an entrepreneur um, during those times. It's really great. Uh, I got a win out of it, and you know, once you get a once you get a pretty big win out of anything, you're like, oh wow, okay, that's like that's like really meaningful, and now you can start to you know do and invest in other things right. um, to make them happen. Yeah, and, that, and that's naturally led me more deeper into advertising. That's how I got really deep into ad tech, and that was another good time. You know, sort of from 2008 till. You know, 2013, 2014, that was like, you know, total heyday in ad tech. And we got another win out of that. And I was really proud of that, that company. That company it still lives on today and, you know, through various uh, subsidiaries and stuff like that. So, awesome. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, after, you know, all of the stuff that you go learn being an entrepreneur, you want to learn how to scale and, and do better. And I was fascinated with how organizations work and how to, you know, activate teams and excel. And help just people be really good. And I think that when people feel like they're doing a really good job, it's, you see this transformational sort of experience happening before your eyes. And, you you know, they they came to start to do something with you. And then, wow, like, I'm really doing well here. And that just gives people more and more confidence to do even better, which is an amazing flywheel that, like, attracts other great people um, to do well, like, no matter what their previous experiences was, like, you can always help find a great place for great people. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so we, I did it twi- two, two more times. helped build uh, SmartKits, which ended up becoming, you know, the world's second largest betting exchange. Uh, oh. It was not my intention to join and <laughs> join do another betting company. It was <laughs> absolutely the last thing I thought I wanted to do. You know, I was very happy just sort of staying in, you know, in hardcore tech, where it, which ad tech very much was like the leading uh, and bleeding edge of technology at that time. Right. Uh, you right. know, sort of early, early 2010s, end of 2000s. End of but yeah, the reality was was that uh, I knew a, a good friend of mine, Jason, who'd been like trucking along with this company for a long time, and and he he he, you know, quite rightly said he said, "Hey, look, can I make the betting? Can I make the betting industry fair?" And I was like, "That's an amazing vision. I can't ever imagine that happening." <laughs> but he he got pretty close, and you know, as a former uh, analyst, and he he worked at at a hedge fund before that, and. Mm-hmm. Which was my second second dalliance with it, uh, you know. Later on down the road with it, with another headphone partner. Um, but he he was really close, and I I was pretty amazed that he built you know a way to to make to basically increase the best odds uh, across across the board for all all players and clients. So that was very attractive. That was very fast. We you know we went from a handful of people to you know well over a hundred and trading billions of pounds each year uh, mm-hmm. in one year. That was like twenty fourteen. So yeah. really exciting time. But like that experience again, kind of tapping into the fintech side of things about money movement and uh re-engaging with those aspects of of uh of business in general uh and being being in the uk gave like a really unique insight into you know um interaction with the us and that sort of thing and it led me to to, to list as well and list is now an absolute juggernaut like you know the technically it's the world's largest fashion platform so they are you know they have 100 million customers massive amounts of gmv mostly owned by lvmh today and that was uh like full throttle, like consumer consumer business, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with globally uh, uh, world renowned, you know, in terms of its its money movement and things like that, that we we needed to be able to find from just from its business model alone, you know, through advertising and affiliate model, so all those experiences wrapped up, you know, I guess my insights into uh, what do you do when and how um, with finances and what, where does finance play a role in the or in an organization. And it was, you know, later on down the road, about that time when I met my partner, Everett, who, you know, he came from the hedge fund space as well. He was a PM at SAC, down point 72, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Tudor Investments, uh, which were really both really, tremendous firms. Really talented guy, very, hyper smart. And he's sort of like sort of the yin to my yang, where I'm very much an operator. I love building things. And yeah. uh, he's very much like a markets guy. And he's like, look, there's, there's a space here. And I was like, I couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how we got to building row and it was really exciting been an absolutely amazing three years it's gonna be just about three it's almost three years to the day so, yeah. it's the 50, 15th of march so of yeah. 20, 2018 so yeah well
1: Congrats. congratulations on on the journey so far and i've been thanks. lucky enough to uh work with you guys for the past couple of years now so it's been exciting to see what you're yeah. building. now uh, how, how damn fast you guys are doing it but so calculated as well so it's awesome awesome to see um thanks if you could give a, of a background about row. So like, you know, what's the, what's the value proposition you're bringing to market? And also, you know, what, what, what was the opportunity that you saw that you wanted to to take to take down in uh, in the U S
0: yeah. I mean, it it, it, was, it was really like a mixture of two things. And, you know, I, I have to, I try to take a step back because yes, I've had a very European experience, uh, especially living in Europe for the most part. Uh, yeah. But my, my career has really been, you know, Uh, straddle between the UK and and North America at almost all times, you know, from the ad, from ad market to, to list and, you know, uh, uh, and then on and like as an investor advisor, like just helping companies out, it was really just being a very U S centric model because of the financial and the experience banking. And I think that what we, what was very obvious to me was that banks, their business model was not oriented around developing great services because of the, they're great lenders. I mean, they're a balance sheet business. Like they have they have money and they're there to lend it. And that's how they they profit. So the way that they acquire those, you know, those deposits is, you know, by being great acquirers. There is a suggestion that, you know, to be a great acquirer, you should be good at servicing. I think that there's, you know, a balance take to say, are they doing a good job in the United States? I don't think there is. It functions completely differently, namely to the degree that there's thousands of institutions, number one. You know, that right. that in and of itself is a a real difference uh, versus you know other major global markets. Even in the UK, where it's you know a very very massive financial services market, you know there's really you know 50, 50 institutions that matter, yeah. you know as opposed to five thousand. So you know it's just a, it's you just can't even compare. And then so from my perspective, I was like always constantly seeking a great financial partner to help us grow and grow the companies that we we're with. I was almost relegated to SVB at every stage of my career. Uh, you know, and, and look, they, they've done a tremendous job. They understand their, their market well. That's why they have, you know, great personal banking services as well. Right. You know, and a lot of people need to really remember, it's like, you know, Silicon Valley Bank is a bank from Silicon Valley. It's, that's, the, that's why it's not like there's like, you know, a magic software behind it or something. Like they are just an institution there um, that is in a great market where a tremendous amount of commercial activity happened and they did a great job capitalizing. I wouldn't necessarily say that makes them the best institution for every single, you know, growing or enterprising business, just because they, you know, came in from there. I think they probably have some insights and are going to have to look at the market a bit differently. But if you look at, you know, how to power the next generation of American business, you're going to have to really do a great job. So mm-hmm. that, that, those are some of the insights that we, we were looking at uh, from the beginning, you know, simplifying the experience, consolidating services, looking at rebundling. Why is that? Why is the fragmentation of the market exists today? You know, in Everett's perspective, it was really simple, which was which phenomenal. which was that you know the underutilized sponsor bank model enables enables us to be, compete like no other bank in history. You know, um, we are we are very much a complementary service to partners and our partner banks. You know, that's why we, you know we are one of the only fintechs that's providing commercial banking services that partners right. with multiple multiple partners. And that's sort of like a lot of the secret to to what we're doing. It's just you know good fundamentals. Like, is there is there space for? New types of services and you know re- re- reimagining what the customer experience is for commercial uh, partners and commercial clients and the second part is the business model and how can you possibly design a business that is completely oriented around customer service mm-hmm. um, instead of being a lender you know we we are, we are very much you know we understand our, our role in lending but you know we're not a balance sheet business so we're gonna think about things really differently like our job is to provide software tools and services that is like far none the best. Uh, and that makes us a great acquirer. possible. Awesome.
1: Yeah. And I mean, obviously you can see throughout um, you know, your, your features that you have going on at, at row and um, kind of all of the experiences that you just mentioned are really all built in, into one way or another uh, into, you know, yeah. providing that value to the end customer. And really that's just a firsthand experience from you probably, uh, you know, along, along these <laughs> journeys and, um, and you're exactly right. I and mean, banking seems to be one of the last industries. Um, that is starting to now shift into this, you know, customer experience and customer focus needs to be the priority. Where you can see, you know, Amazon and other types of uh, um, industries have kind of, you know, obviously transitioned to that um, that aspect. Yeah. Um, when you, uh, I guess, when you were on the hunt uh, for for the the sponsor banks or partner banks, you actually did it much differently than others. but you have a few, um, you know, what yeah. was the perspective there and. Um, you know, mo- most have to rely on one and, you know, decisions are only made by one bank, but you kind of stretch yourselves out to a few. Can you talk a little bit about that, you know, ideology of you know why you decided to go that route?
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I think that we understood, I mean, when we first started, that was probably the earliest insight that I understood was like, to not be necessarily bound to one partner over another, but to ensure that there's an optionality for anything. I mean, like, you know, we're a financial institution. I was very, <laughs> very scared that like, I don't know what's going to happen to a partner. You, I, that is the tightest relationship I've ever seen in a commercial agreement. Like we're predicating our entire business on a single partner. I just don't think that right. that's smart. <laughs> it's just sort of like basic philosophy. So then, you know, when we got to what got to building, it was a very simple premise. Of how do we ensure that we can constantly partner with whomever uh, that we, we choose to, or that, you know, looks, looks good. And as we explored this, it became very obvious. You know, we obviously had some some practical goals like you know time to market and things like that. But you know, if you were to ask anything that we were very strong on in the beginning, it was just one: our foresight for how we wanted things to work. We we had we had a very, you know, thankfully, like you know, I I think it, like Sam I, from a product perspective, tried to put you know pieces together very far down the road. And you know, and Everett's insight, uh, you know, as a as a PM was to say, Hey, look, like, where does this world look like in like five years? Yeah, and, you know, where, where do we place our bets? And we just put those two two together and had a very clear understanding that multiple partners is, is really what looks
1: good for us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as far as how, obviously you're, you know, orchestrating behind as far as building and then also running as an entrepreneur, how do you guys determine or prioritize, you know, the, the, the build by partner phase? I know it's pretty much on everyone's minds that are going to looking forward, but no, you know, how do you yeah. do it? You've been in, very successful in multiple different uh, ventures. Obviously you're doing something right into prioritization, but uh, can you talk about sure. that process and how you like to focus on that?
0: Yeah, I, 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 totally. I, I mean, everything in my view comes from the essence of what you're trying to accomplish. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, make no mistake, you know, we are a services business, so our customers come first. And how do we, design, you know, our system and what we build and buy or partner with from a strategic perspective at each juncture to accomplish what we think we need to do. And now sometimes that means doing like something that at the outside looks unorthodox. I mean, you know, partnering with multiple institutions, but it's unorthodox. People didn't really understand it. Uh, Helping to walk like, you know, investors through it who are, you know, investors are somewhat I would like to assume very financially savvy, Uh, you know, and you have to put you, you know, walking through the complexities is uh, was something that was, you know, always, always going to be challenging at there in the early days when, you know, don't forget at this time in 2018, you know, Brex just had a card. There were no other, you know, Business neo challenger banks outside of I think like I think Bank Nova and really they're they're really just supporting you know uh, small uh, freelancers and, and some SMBs at that time so yeah. and aslo you know that and aslo is no longer I mean that's a so I'm you know, exactly one yeah.
1: partner right there yeah
0: yeah that's right you know <laughs> if you want to talk about the dangers and perils of a partnership I mean that that that's a pretty good example and so when. We were trying to determine, you know, what we should do. Really, it comes down to, you know, again, fundamentals of what we wanted to accomplish. And really, we only make those decisions based on the mission that we do. And, you know, our mission is very much to help uh, uh, organizations uh, work better together with money. And that is, you know, that is how we rally around our entire company. Um, We're constantly just trying to help and be great partners, um, custodians and uh, keepers of, of, you know, our clients' funds and helping them succeed.
1: Yeah, and and especially over the last, I guess, twelve months now, you could say, has has those priorities changed, and have made you as a as a leader of where where the direction is going? Have you had a pivot given you know obviously with COVID, you have PPP loans. Like, how does the prioritization then get you know altered if it does at all, or were you guys built to be able to adapt you know pretty quickly on the demands that your your customers are facing?
0: Yeah, I mean. Uh... Uh, pivot, no. Delivery, yes. We deliver a lot. We delivered a lot this year. Twenty twenty was like a, a really transforma- a transformational period for the company. Sixty-two percent of the company has never met each other. So it's pretty
1: well, incredible. Yeah, pretty amazing. Pretty incredible.
0: You know, <laughs> we've onboarded all these people, and you know, most of them have never been in the same room together, and we're still flying. So that's pretty cool. Uh, but you know, back to your, to your point, Chris. I mean, the challenge that we've had, I think is making sure that to not get discouraged by the, if we had to do something over another that we planned on doing over another, let's say. So we all, everyone tries to stick to a plan. As long as the decision-making is based in like root strategy, then it's okay. You know? Uh, And we said no to a lot of things. Uh, We participated in the first PPP program. We were very proud of that. We we had the first program out the door against anyone, including any bank. It was a tremendous period. I mean, that was very surprising to me. We, we, we like, it was uh, almost a year to the day that we 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 actually rolled that out. Was uh, I guess no, about thirty days, April third, I think it was
1: first came. And out that it was month. that that was through your partner bank that was able to. Yeah, yeah,
0: that was through a bunch of we 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 did a syndicate. We we yeah. we offer it. We offer a network of of um, uh, bank and non bank institutions as financial lenders um, uh, within the row platform, and that uh, led to like really great relationships. And we said, hey, look. Like, nah. you know, we're, we have clients that are interested and we're happy to just facilitate this. Like we have the technology, we have the people, do any of you need help with this? And that was just our answer. So, you know, we didn't do a lot against our peers. We, it was not our, our interest. We just wanted to help ensure that anyone that needed it was able to get it, you know. Um, and we did tens of millions of dollars in loans in that first week. It was really, really nuts. And then we were like, wow, there's like, we were, it was very like, you know, oh, wow. I can't believe that everything, all of this got mobilized that quick. But yeah, that, that, that's probably an example of something that we just did. Uh, we realized we, it was if we didn't do a good job at being a good example of what we could do and be, as a fintech in the industry, how could we possibly present that you know, we were a superior alternative to you know, existing institutions? Uh, mm-hmm. That was sort of you know, what we wanted to know. And we knew that if we, everyone was going to be locked down, the world must go on at, to some degree. We probably had the best chance of supporting people um, through our platform. And that proved to be totally true. I mean, you know, we were for a, a long time there the only bank branch open. <laughs> it's called the <laughs> internet, so like totally, it yeah. was kind of it was a, a very surreal experience.
1: Yeah, I mean, do you see as far as where you where you're at now? Obviously, there's 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 more competitors than you mentioned that are coming. Yeah, yeah Fray now. Obviously, you guys have a good a good uh, landscape and where you're at as far as the, the 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 bigger banks. You know, not not digital first uh, as as you are. Do you see them as becoming a threat or actually you know actually moving moving more to the background or is it kind of you know all, all over the place in that sense of you know how you can attra- attract more customers and continue on your you know yeah. growth of trajectory
0: yeah i think I think that there's there's a couple of schools of thought here you know there is the fintech pursuing charters there's the you know just fintech that's doing infrastructure and then you have sort of pseudo infrastructure plus uh, uh, consumer, or when I say consumer, just outwardly facing, you know, uh, uh, originators and acquirers um, yeah. uh, that are in the in the space, and some are chasing charters, some are not. I, I th- it really depends. If you look historically, anyone that is moving into the you know the charter space, Sofi, you know, Varo, even right. Rex, I think has announced, you know, Square. You know, I, I, if you look at what their motivations are, it, with the exception of probably like Square, really it's about like facilitating more business. Square Square is just hands down like we're doing a great job. We don't want any of our clients to go anywhere. Like this, just keep this train going. That the the natural extension is to provide capital for them. So I I I understand that perspective a lot. That that's something I probably align with and agree with a lot. Um, And it doesn't really need to come in the same shape as a bank branch, like it used to. It just comes from you know where where it needs to come from. Um, However, the others, I believe, is it's simply like a cost capital. You know, they are lenders make no mistake about it, you know, so, uh, lending, lending club, there's a reason why lending club like barred radius. And, you know, um, uh, there's a place and, uh, and it means for, for, for fintech specifically to be great acquirers and originators of deposits and, and drive those deposits back to, to lenders. I mean, that's the, that's the synergy we're talking about here. So yep. Yep. I don't necessarily think that there is a place, uh, where both don't coexist. I just think that the, the, the way the market will develop in the future is, Probably not what you know anyone thought it was going to look like.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's really good points, and I think you know as, as you mentioned, uh really you know the, the majority of the banks just want to get additional acquirers and, and mass influx of acquirers, and how to how do yeah. we do that? It could be through a million programs. That's fine. <laughs> just just go yeah. out yeah. and get a more yeah. acquirers. Um, That's right. I, yeah, I do want to touch on a little bit, um, and this is probably more of a selfish bias, um, you know, way of working here, but. <laughs> Obviously, being from the UK, I mean, probably from Canada, working in the UK, and then back uh, to the US as well, you can see the stress of importance as far as international money movement. Um, you know, yeah, we currency totally. cloud, uh, obviously, we're, we're, we're um, founded and have a good, great base in the UK and in Europe. And then you know, I was tasked with our team in, in the US to really educate the market in the US. And that's been quite a journey. Um, but, you know, talking to you guys, it was a breath of fresh air. There wasn't much discovery needed at the time. Um, you actually knew the importance and saw the importance of international money movement for your clients. I'd love to talk to you a little bit about the advantages uh, through that, and and why it is important, I guess, from your perspective, to provide you know access to uh, you know uh, ability to move funds internationally for your clients.
0: Yeah, yeah, entirely. Uh, I mean, I I remember being at a dinner, and this is probably twenty. 2012 or 2013 and nigel verdon who's the founder of birds cloud was there and uh i I hadn't met him before you know i knew him from london just from through through friends of friends etc and i remember sitting there and he he was like so we're basically just trying to take like payment rails and make them available everywhere okay that's like an incredible thing if you can pull (laughs) that off you know like i know you guys are you're doing pretty well right now like yeah. If I can ever find a need for it, uh, I'll, I'll give you guys a call. So, I mean, I, you know, that, that's, 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 sort of the, my very first history, Nigel, since doing, you know, Rails Bank and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I, coming back to, you know, just the international money movement, very important for us to understand that was like a natural problem that I'd already been experiencing my entire career. I mean, you know, U.S. institutions just quite simply are not good at moving money internationally, um, mostly for for good reason. I mean, you know, the financial, the U.S. Uh, financial system is very closed and very hard for very good reason. You know, you don't want, <laughs> everyone wants to get their money into the United States. Uh, you don't really want it to, you know, uh, get it out very often. Yeah. You really want to have really tight controls, um, which is uh, very pragmatic. And, you know, I'm a huge supporter of. The, the difference being, I think, is that there are great and safe ways to move money internationally. And if you look at the scale and scope of business, which you know is comprised of the vast majority of money movement uh, in, in many instances in many uh, locations around the world, it's, it's almost exclusively for business. Um, and you, what you, we knew this from a supply chain perspective, from you know modern business perspective. How are, how are companies being formed? How are companies being uh, grown? And it's like, you know, it's a global effort, like where, where, who's good at what, and, you know, you piggyback off of that region's strengths, and you weave this, you know, international network together, um, in order to compete in basically the major markets. And that's why major markets are still not experiencing tons of downside, um, places like China, and just Asia, in in general, um, uh, the United States, Uh, you're just seeing this huge gravitus towards these big markets because you know there's lots of demand and so the world is really supporting all the financial activity and the financial activity generally is you know speaking you're starting to see ebbs and flows of it but it's consolidating uh in those areas so for us it was like okay i I mean any company that's you know on board at row if they're if they're under three to five years the reality of them in you know um utilizing an international supply chain is like I I mean, it must be above eighty percent. That was sort of the perspective for us. It was just a natural, much more of a natural fit from a speed perspective and a breadth perspective to work with uh, Currency Cloud originally. uh, You know, at the end of the day, both great teams, both excellent software, both you know have great ambition. For us, you know, utilizing infrastructure was really important. You know, access to clearing, access to you know support, knowing you know where our money was going to be moved and through what institutions uh, was really key for us. You know. I think you know on the consumer side, it's it's a little bit different, and that's been you know the bulk of Transferwise's experience now. They yeah. obviously do provide you know lots of commercial services these days, and I'm sure that that's a massively growing uh, area for them as well. But yeah, for us, it was a, a natural fit. It was like you're you're built for this this problem uh, specifically. So mm-hmm. uh, and we found alignment with that, and we were able to move really fast, and we appreciate.
1: it. Yeah, it's it's been a great journey so far, and excited to to see where you guys are going. I guess. You know, to to wrap up here, yeah, can you give a little insight onto you know your, your what you guys are seeing as your direction? Obviously, you got 62 percent uh, uh, new hires from uh, from year over yeah. year. So what are you going to be utilizing them for? Where are we going with bro? What are we going to be seeing here?
0: Top <laughs> service, my friend. Yeah, Top service.
1: Smart. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, look,
0: like we're we're in the, we're in the business of clients, and you know, we can't make the world go around unless we're doing a good job for them, and. You no know, it's it's really you know uh uh you know really focused around you know what our core core services are and you know that is comes through customer service, banking services you know uh our software, and you know our people being an extension of these tremendously bold and a- ambitious entrepreneurs i mean you know like I'm very you know we're still relatively small in, in the in the uh in the grand scheme of things, and maybe that's just because of my own experiences of you know where where you get to you know we're three years in and You know, I think if you asked me 10 years ago, if we were this size and doing these things, I'd be like, well, we're, we're pretty big. But I think when you, when I look at ourselves and I look at our clients and how much, you know, how tremendously brave and how tremendously innovative they are. And that, that I just, the sheer like amount of new talent and ideas coming on and being activated through this period, especially post COVID, I think that like, I think you're just going to see a tremendous decade of innovation, and that makes me really excited. And I, I can't wait to be their, uh, be their partner.
1: Yeah, it's awesome, and uh, we can't wait to have you back over in the states at sometime soon. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Sometime <laughs> soon. It's uh, we're almost there. You know, I'm hold,
1: holding my breath, and
0: uh, but yeah, it's been a been a it's been a long time. I look, look forward to get back into the New York office.
1: Yeah, for sure. Looking forward to. it. Well, it's good to have you on here. Um, what's the best way for potential partners to get in touch with you guys?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, easiest way is to uh, get in touch with us through at bank at row.co. You can find me uh, myself on LinkedIn. Uh, it's usually the easiest way. Uh, I, I, I'm a, a massive consumer of, uh, of Twitter, not too much of a publisher. So it's uh, usually the least thing. Awesome. But uh, yeah, feel free to find us at row.co as well.
1: Sweet. Well, yeah, great to have you on. Like I said, awesome to see you guys doing well.
0: Yeah, you too. Thanks, Chris. appreciate it all. Of course. See ya. Thanks.